Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here this morning for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Tuesday, January 31st, 2023. We continue our catechesis in Genesis. This is our last week in Genesis. We move on to Exodus next week. All right. Uh, let's see. No other announcements? I don't think so. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Memory verse. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Psalm 51, verses 1 through 2. I've encouraged the children to start asking more questions, which they um, are doing. Um, and they're asking about what are words like loving kindness and um, what is iniquity and what is uh, what is this cleansing? Anyway, um, if you note here, Psalm 51, David, of course, is praying the psalm after his sin with Bathsheba and the exposure of that sin through the prophet Nathan in the preaching of God's word. And so he speaks of forgiveness in a, in a couple different ways here, right? Uh, mercy upon me, that's God's forgiveness. According to your loving kindness, you're steadfast with me, even though when I'm not with you, right? According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. So that's um, to take, to blot them out of the ledger, right? Cover them with ink, if you like, or with his blood. Wash me thoroughly from uh, from my iniquity, another synonym for sin, to be washed. Of course, we're connected to our baptism, but also to absolution, which literally means to be washed with water, right? Just like baptism. Absolve, it means to be have water poured over, to be cleansed, right? So the forgiveness of your baptism is declared daily to you. And uh, also cleanse me, right? So it's a little bit different than uh, to wash. To cleanse is to, to make clean. Wash, of course, does the same, right? So you have all these um, different ways of saying the same, really the same idea, or maybe different aspects of the same idea. You could even say it that way. Beautiful. Thank you, David. Our psalm is Psalm 77. Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, 
as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, our catechism for the week is um, the article on confession, right? Which part? Confession is the sixth part? Or no, the fifth part. Yeah. And the office of the keys. We're only doing confession this week. What is confession? Confession has two parts. First, that we confess our sins. And second, that we receive absolution. That is forgiveness from the pastors, from God himself, not doubting, but firmly believing that by it our sins are forgiven before God in heaven. What sins should we confess? Before God, we should plead guilty of all sins, even those we're not aware of, as we do in the Lord's Prayer. But before the pastor, we should confess only those sins which we know and feel in our hearts, which are these. Consider your place in life according to the Ten Commandments. Are you a father, mother, son, daughter, husband, wife, or worker? Have you been disobedient, unfaithful, or lazy? Have you been hot-tempered, rude, or quarrelsome? Have you hurt someone by your words or deeds? Have you stolen, been negligent, wasted anything, or done any harm? It's worth noting, if I haven't, uh, or if you haven't recalled me noting this before, that the article on confession has in mind not the general confession and absolution that precedes the divine service each week, that uh, preparatory rite, but rather uh, the, the gift of private absolution, or private confession and absolution, if you prefer. So when he talks about confession, he does mean um, kind of, well, I guess what most would say in kind of the Roman Catholic sense. Well, it's not Roman Catholic. It's it's actually just scriptural. Um, but there is a distinction. And those who are raised in the Roman church, when they encounter this article, they recognize the distinction. The distinction here is not on the enumeration of sins. Um, as a matter of fact, Luther is quite careful to say it's not necessary to name all sins, only those you know and feel in your heart, right? Um, and so then the benefit of confession is the absolution and the faith that comes along with that absolution. So the reason to confess is for the sake of faith, for the sake of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, so notice he also reverses it. He says, um, how do you know what you know and feel in your hearts? Well, you need to examine your, your, your heart, right? So that's not wrong um, to, to take time to ponder um, one's own station and vocation, where God has placed them, placed you, and um, perhaps how you've been, uh, how you've sinned there and thought word and deed, right? That isn't particularly Roman Catholic. It's particularly scriptural, right? That we confess our sins, that we look and examine ourselves. We don't have to go uh, dig, turning over every rock trying to find every sin, for example, but we do want to examine our conscience and determine what is um, what is burdening our conscience. And so that's what he has in mind here. Um, and this is, again, for the benefit of, or for the purpose of absolution to be forgiven, and to believe again, um, and to live in the life of forgiveness. Sometimes this examination, uh, well, I wouldn't say sometimes, I say often requires um, conversation, either between a fellow with another Christian, someone you trust, um, or or with the pastor who's promised um, to hear your confession and never divulge what is confessed to him. Uh, We can do this kind of guided examination. There's other tools for this as well. There's an old tradition called the Bike Spiegel, which is the confessional mirror, and we have, I have a few different versions of those that I use that I've um, provided for the congregation, especially when we offer formally confession absolution during Lent uh, at our Wednesday services. So um, again, the, the purpose here of confessing your sins before the pastor, individually, privately, is to receive the absolution, not um, to have pastor, you know, be in this kind of uh, dominating position, a position of power or something like that. No, so that pastor can deliver the gift of forgiveness, which is 
uh, the gift that God has given him to deliver to you, right? All right. Um, so if you haven't ever availed yourself of, of private absolution, um, there's no time like the present. And um, something that we always do, try to do it at the bedside before with people before they die, of course. Um, but uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe we need to be more intentional about teaching how to confess. Think about, think about how that's going to work. That's certainly going to be one of the themes, if not the theme, throughout um, our Lenten midweek services, where we are going to consider the Christian questions and their answers. Right. We'll do that together. Uh, before I read our first text, to greet those of you who have checked in on the chat, those of you watching live um, on the various platforms we're streaming on. We've got Vicky on YouTube. Chris is on Facebook. Michael is on YouTube. Don and Karen are on Facebook. Karen is on YouTube. Lori and Gus and Eileen are on Facebook. Good to have you with us here today. Our first reading is from John chapter 8, picking up where we left off yesterday. Now in the, in the morning, he came again to the, into the temple, and all the people came to, to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of you, yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. All right. What a lovely text about absolution, right? Um, but also about the nature of, of sin and the way that we can use our neighbor's sin, um, well, to put ourselves in a position of power over them, right? Oh, look, she's caught in adultery, and we clearly have not, so that puts us in the superior position. But then what Jesus rightly does is um, direct each of the hearers to their own sin, which may not be manifest in the same way, and yet still ought to accuse them in the, in the same way. All right. And again, for the sake of absolution. All right, our reading for catechesis is Genesis chapter 46, beginning in verse 28. Then Jacob sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out before him the way to Goshen, and they came to the land of Goshen. So Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. And he presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. And Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face, because you are still alive. Then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and say to him, My brothers and those of my father's house who were in the land of Canaan have come to me. And the men are shepherds, for their occupation has been to feed livestock. And they have brought their flocks, their herds, and all that they have. And so it shall be, when Pharaoh calls you and says, What is your occupation that you shall say? Your servant's occupation has been with livestock from our youth even till now. 
both we and also our fathers, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. Then Joseph went and told Pharaoh and said, My father and my brothers, their flocks and their herds, and all that they possess have come from the land of Canaan, and indeed they are in the land of Goshen. And he took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. And they said to Pharaoh, We have come to dwell in the land because your servants have no pasture for their flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of of Canaan. Now therefore, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, saying, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Have your father and brothers dwell in the best of the land. Let them dwell in the land of Goshen. And if you know any competent men among them, then make them chief herdsmen over my livestock. Then Joseph brought in his father Jacob and set him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, How old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days of my year, of the years of my pilgrimage are one hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. So Joseph blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. And Joseph situa- situated his father and his brothers and gave them possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. Then Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his families, or excuse me, father's household with bread, according to the number in their families. All right, let's do some questions and answers here. All right, uh, you'll note that Jacob sends ahead of him Judah. All right, interesting, just one line there, sending Judah out ahead, right? Like Christ who goes before us, right? What did Joseph do? As uh, Jacob had had instructed his brothers, right? Settle in the land of Goshen, right? And so then Joseph goes to meet Jacob in Goshen. How did Israel respond when he saw his son? Obviously, there was the, the hugging and weeping and whatnot. He says, now let me die, since I have seen your face. Now let your servant depart in peace, you might say. New Testament story, that part of the liturgy, the Nook Demitis, sung by Simeon, right? So you see a parallel there. Now let your servant depart in peace. Um, so then uh, Joseph kind of, I don't want to say, prepares Jacob and his brothers as to how to interact with Pharaoh. Um, so Joseph goes and tells Pharaoh um, that everyone is there. Um, so then um, Joseph takes five brothers, right, to um, present them to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh asks them, after he asked Jacob, oh yes, he had asked Jacob before, what is your occupation? What is your occupation? Right, and he would—he's supposed to respond, and his sons do too—that they are shepherds and tended livestock. There's this note about um, their being given Goshen is that shepherds were detestable in Egypt. Right, so they're given this fertile land, but um, I don't know the the Egyptians—if they consumed the sheep or if they just considered them wealth—I'm not sure. Right, but they were detestable; they could not be shepherds. And that, that's still carried forward even to the time of Jesus, that the shepherds are the outsiders, the outcasts, the garbage collectors, if you like. It's kind of a gross job, bad hours, etc. <laughs> right? Same thing here in Egypt. Again, five brothers, significant that Joseph would choose five brothers later with the giving of the law to Moses. Five represents the law and the connection to the 
Torah, the books of Moses. Um, what reason do they give Pharaoh for settling in the land of Goshen? They have no pasture for their flocks. No pasture for their flocks. Famine was severe in Canaan. Goshen is described, as I mentioned before, um, the land of Egypt. It's the best of the land of Egypt, right? Yeah, and we heard that before, maybe. What else did Pharaoh ask um, of the people, of, of these uh, brothers, the five brothers? Yeah, he asks that any of such ability be put in charge of Pharaoh's livestock as well, right? So they end up being the, the uh, Pharaoh's herdsmen as well. Beautiful. And that will bless Pharaoh, of course. Uh, what's the significance of all these shepherding duties, right? Hmm. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Um, they hear my voice and they follow me, right? So John 10. And the good shepherd would come from these shepherds, namely from Judah, um, as a shepherd to all nations, including Egyptians later. We'll see in the book of Acts, right? What did Jacob do for Pharaoh? Pharaoh has blessed Jacob, so Jacob blesses Pharaoh. I will bless those who bless you, right? Jacob blesses Pharaoh. Um, it's always a good idea um, before departing someone uh, with someone is to give them a blessing and to say, the Lord bless you and keep you, or um, God bless your journey, or um, God bless your work, that sort of thing, right? It's something, I don't know why it fell out of practice amongst us, but I think it would be helpful for us to remember to do, I'm not terribly good about it myself, although liturgically, of course, uh, it's programmed there into the, uh, the actual liturgy. So you always leave with the blessing with the liturgy. Uh, but even in, in casual conversation, you know, God be with you and keep you safe or something like that. All right. Same thing here, Jacob does. And then we find out how old Jacob is. Pharaoh wants to know. We find out he is 130 years old. Oh, there's the best of the land. It's verse 11, right? In the best of the land. Um, how old is Joseph? Um, let's see. So we, I think we did the math on this and we figured it was probably like 43 maybe, something like that. I think it's been about 21 years at this point since he left, um, since he was sold into slavery. And it, if I remember, he was 17 when he was sold into slavery. 21 plus 7, 30, 38, maybe it's 38. All right. Remember, um, both both uh, Joseph and Benjamin are the sons of um, Jacob's um, of his old age, right? They were the last to be conceived by, by way of Rachel after all the other women conceived. All right. Meditation. As Judah was sent out before his brothers to point the way, so now Jesus has been sent before us into death, resurrection, and ascension that he might guide us into the blessed, the best land. This little group of shepherds would preserve the promise spoken to Adam and then to Abraham and his descendants. The message of the gospel would be hidden among them as they lived in the midst of the most powerful nation on earth. Jesus is the good shepherd who has planted his church in the midst of the world and sends out shepherds to proclaim the words of the, of the shepherd to the flock hidden in the midst of the world. Though the years of our pilgrimage may be fewer than Israel's, they shall certainly end in the life promised to us in our baptism. Beautiful. Be nice to have um, a timeline of Joseph, right? End it with his age. Be something that would be good to generate. I used to have like some different Bible timelines. All right, so let's see. Joseph is born in around 600, 1600 BC. Um, and then... They come into the promised land in about 1561. Yeah, so 38, 39, somewhere in there. Make sense? All right. 
sing our hymn, A Wondrous Type. Let us pray. O God, in the glorious transfiguration of your beloved Son, you confirmed the mysteries of the faith by the testimony of Moses and Elijah. In the voice that came from the bright cloud, you wonderfully foreshowed our adoption by grace. Mercifully make us co-heirs with the King in his glory, and bring us to the fullness of our inheritance in heaven. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O Lord, I give you thanks and praise that you have forgiven me all my sin as a free gift of your grace. You died for me because you loved me, and you rose from the dead so that I might receive the gift of salvation and walk in newness of life. By your forgiveness, teach me to renounce the devil, to deny myself, and to live a holy life in the joy and confidence that my sins are forgiven. 
Amen. We pray this day for deliverance against temptation and evil, for the addicted and despairing, for the tortured and oppressed, and for those struggling with sin. We also pray for uh, Jan, who celebrates his birthday today, for Brandon, who celebrates his baptism. Pray for the households of our church, especially Matt and Vicki, Dick and Milda, Jim and Mardell, Christine, David, Alan, our day school, our catechumens, those who are ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Joe, Kelsey, Walt, Naomi, Christopher, Dan and Brad, Ron, Betty, Joan and Cheryl, Pat, Merlin, Heidi, Dick and Karen. Pray for our homebound, Ed, Paul and Pauline. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially the urban ministry of our district. We pray for our relatives and we pray for the benefactors of our congregation. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. Great joy to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer. Come to each morning at about 9 a.m. So you can gather again with us in the morning tomorrow uh, to pray with us. Um, Or, of course, you can listen or watch later in the day as you have opportunity. One note, tomorrow, Wednesday, we're going to celebrate the uh, Feast of the Presentation and Purification of Mary, or Candlemas, as it's sometimes called. It falls on February 2nd, um, but since we have a regular Wednesday evening service, we'll use that for the feast day. So if you can join us for that feast tomorrow, um, 40 days thereabouts, after our Lord's birth, a fitting way to end the uh, Christmas tide. Actually, there's a tradition of not even taking down your Christmas tree until Candlemas. Um, but so it is, right? So we have the end of Epiphany, and we have uh, also the Feast of the Presentation and Purification of Mary. So we'll celebrate that tomorrow. Uh, so make plans to come out in the evening for divine service. All right, God be with you all, and we'll see you soon. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.